Well, hello, White Sox fans. Happy Valentine's Day. Hope tonight finds you well. This is White Sox Daily Live. My name is Ian Eskridge. I'm here with my co-host, the Danny Miller. How you doing, Danny? Uh, Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Yeah, this is, uh, welcome to your Valentine's Day edition of, uh, Chicago White Sox Daily Live. Sorry, just trying to liven things up here a little bit. We, uh, we had the week off last week, so I'm, uh, I'm feeling myself a little bit today, man. You know, uh, put a lot of hard work in since being sick and, uh, you know, just looking to uh, get rolling into uh, tonight's episode here. So happy to be back, man. How are you? I'm doing all right. You know, can't complain. Uh, Happy to be back at it. Um, Even more happy. Hey, what's up, Pusher? Dahlsteak, how you doing? Luis Andrade, how you doing, buddy? What's up, Brutals? Brutals! I'm especially... Happy because tomorrow pitchers and catchers report. So that Indeed. is music to my ears. I'm happy that the NFL season is over and we can move along. To yeah, what's we important. won't even talk about that debacle. Yeah, right. <laughs> what a disappointment! And I'll leave it at that. You yeah, know, there's a lot of opinions. I don't want to get into them. This is a baseball podcast, but let's just say I. I feel most people when I can say that was a disappointing end to a great game. Yeah, no, great game wow. until the last few minutes of it. Um, yeah. But, you know, hey, like you said, why bother talking about it? Because everybody's already talked about it. You could have watched ESPN for the last two days <laughs> and heard the same complaints over and over again. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, you got the people on one side, they're like, eh, nothing wrong with what happened. Was, you know, and then there's other people that are like, you know, I saw something, didn't really feel good about it. And that sums it up. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yep. Yes, the rest so. did suck the entire game. You are correct. Yeah, yeah. That, there was there were so many bad calls in that game. But, uh, yeah. you know, um, I was personally of the opinion I would have liked both teams to lose. So um, I don't care one way or the other. You know, I guess it... Uh, <laughs> I don't know how that works, though, Ian. You know, two teams play. Uh, one team usually walks away victorious. Uh, I don't think they're going to let a tie, you know, go in the Super Bowl. But, I don't know, uh, man. Meteors have strange effects on the outcomes of <laughs> football games, you know? Uh, yeah, I just, I don't, you know, you said you'd like to see both teams lose. I don't know how that's possible. But, hey, uh, you know, in our world, in this day and age, who knows? Yep. Anything's says, possible. I have no idea what a catch is in the NFL, and I am right there with you. Yeah, oh, I, I mean, atrocious. Every no time, catch, catch. There was a couple of them there. Yeah. One was called a catch. One that wasn't called a catch. I don't know, man. Yeah, let's do a five-minute yeah. review on every single reception in the NFL. Sounds like a great idea and certainly uh, grounds for a great product. Wonderful. Uh, no kidding. No kidding, man. But, you so, know. Um, maybe maybe we could have shot down a spy balloon in the middle of that game. Uh, you know, had some debris fall on the field. And I mean, you know, it was before lost. and after in multiple places around the country. So who knows? I, what is going on here? Oh, I don't know, man. It just seems like uh, we're, we're in for a doozy of a year here, it seems like, don't it? Started off weird. Huh? Just can, keeps it's, continuing. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's 2019 times four. <laughs> Take four. Um, so we get to see, uh, get to see some Lucas Giolito 
now yeah. uh, in the best shape of his life, or at least in the shape that he previously had, apparently. Um, well, he's see, in the best shape of his life. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, clearly he's not going to have, uh, you know, all that junk, you know, in the trunk down there. He's going to slim oh. up a little bit, lean up, you know. I don't know. I saw some... Uh, stamina. Yeah, I saw some... I saw some... Uh, you know, pitch lab work from him a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he does look a little bit more lean, and that's supposedly a good thing. You know, I mean, I guess the extra weight on him really obviously had some, you know, non-pleasing uh, effects on his pitching last year. But, uh, you know, we will see. I mean, it could be that he gets skinnier and... uh it doesn't really change a whole lot. I'm hoping that that's not the case, but, um, you know, we'll see what happens here. Um, you did notice that, uh, earlier tonight, uh, Bob Nightingale tweeted out that Mike Clevenger is not going to be put on administrative leave. So at least as of now, anyway, yeah, at least as of right now, but he's supposedly at least up to this point right now, it is, looking like he is going to be at spring training. So. Yeah, nothing much the Sox can really do about that. It's it's in MLB's hands at the moment. Uh you know, there's a lot of uh there's a lot of people out there still kind of crying about why the Sox haven't done anything in this situation and the, you know the reality is to keep it short their hands are tied. Uh if MLB does not put him on administrative leave or uh, suspend him in any way, shape, or form. The White Sox have zero recourse. They have to use him accordingly. They would have to use them. They would have to use them essentially in the same way that they would have used them had these allegations not come to light. Uh, and if they don't, uh, Mr. Clevenger has uh, a right to uh, file some grievances against the team, which you know makes things get even uglier. So. For right now, folks, keep your pants on. We'll see how this thing plays out. Uh, you know, I saw an old friend of yours actually make a, a nice little post on Facebook earlier today that, uh, you know, I haven't seen this person uh, in a while. Maybe it's I'm not paying attention, but she uh, she made a good point. You remember when uh, a few years back, Patrick Kane had some pretty nasty allegations going on. Uh, for some time and uh you know it turns out that uh all that stuff uh kind of came to be uh fictitious and uh you know the patrick kane that we have all known and loved it went back to uh, playing hockey and you know it was a stain for a little while there but uh i'm not saying that's necessarily the case with mr clevenger but it's possible so i'm not going to uh i'm not going to call the guy guilty until we know and hear more yeah, I mean, we talked about that situation. It's not, I mean, it's just, a, it's it's unpleasant unpleasant all the way around to think about that that is even a possibility of something that did happen. Um, I know that most people have uh, completely bailed on that signing. I'd say probably, you would think that probably 85% of the fan base was not thrilled with the signing in the first place, so this just gives them more reason to... It's right. like the signing and, you know, I, I'm not going to defend the guy uh, because 
it's it's just not it's not a good situation. I mean, if you're you're being uh, accused of something of that manner, um, you know, I mean, regardless of you know, you're just putting yourself in questionable situations. Is is my thought, right? You know, right? And um, uh, it's just ugly. Yeah, and and that's the thing. Uh, it's ugly. Uh, even if it, you know, like I said, even if this turns into like a El Patrick Kane type situation, I feel like the way this has kind of played out was a little bit different than what Patrick Kane went through. Uh, social media has really kind of dragged this guy over the coals pretty hard. Not that they weren't during the Patrick Kane thing, but it just seems like, I don't know, social media has kind of taken more of a hold than it ever has uh, in the last couple of years. And, you know, we've talked about the court of public opinion. I'm not going to defend the guy. I'm not going to not defend the guy. I'm just going to ride that fence right in the middle until I'm going to let the, you know, I'm going to let the system do what the system does, whether the system, you can make sort of system being broken, but you know, there are policies in place. There are people that handle these kinds of things. I'm going to leave it up to professionals and uh, you know, we'll go from there when we get more news. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, what else, you, what else are you going to do? You know, I mean, like you said, the, Socks are at the mercy of the ML, you know, uh, of the MLBPA and MLB. That's that's the the long and short of it. And exactly. until a decision is made, they really can't do a whole lot, you know. Otherwise, you know, like you said, there's going to be some sort of a grievance there, and it's just not. And that's really the only reason I bring any of this up is that you know there are still, like I said, it's still out there. There's still some people that have some vitriol towards the socks. Uh, during this whole, you know, thing and the way the Sox are handling it. Well, the thing is, is the Sox are doing what they can, which is basically nothing. It's they, they really can't. I mean, sure. If they went out and did what fans want them to do, or at least large majority of fans seemingly, uh, you know, and they went and just cut ties with this guy. Yeah, they can do that and they can eat the contract, but then they've got to deal with grievances, which makes this even uglier. So why do that, you know, just to uh, appease some folks who are angry at the moment? You got to let it play out. It, it is what it is, you know? Yeah. I, you know, especially with uh, the way we know that the, the season goes, you know, generally need somewhere between eight and 11 pitchers to finish a major league season, and their depth is not where you would like it to be. So if they're going to cut somebody, it better, you know, for for the team's sake, it, it has to be 100% concrete. And I, I will say this, you know, this has been being investigated since the summer. Um, I, like, I don't understand how this is, like, the, the investigation has not been concluded yet. And I did see somebody suppose that, you know, the reason why the deal happened so quickly is because Clevenger thought maybe, you know, that the investigation was going to, you know, the fact that it was happening was going to come out at some point in the near future. So he wanted to get signed and everything before everything actually came out, which is an entire, you know, it's a, I mean, it's an awful thought, but I mean, it is definitely a possibility. Well, there's, there was also something else that I saw floated out there as well. Uh, and it kind of goes along with that whole thinking of this has been going on since last summer and it has not come to a conclusion 
the question is why. And yeah. some folks seem to think that maybe the evidence against them is flimsy. You know, I mean, you can throw pictures out there. People do it. You know, uh, people get catfished on the Internet all the time. This could be one of those situations. I think they're really just taking their time to make sure that they get it right. And, you know, we'll just have to wait to see what right is, whether, you know, he's guilty or not guilty. That's up to, you know, the investigators. Yep. So, um, moving along, um, the pitching, the rest of the pitching staff obviously showing up as well. Um, I know that with the, uh, with the WBC that there is going to be, um, some weird, uh, you know, movements in the White Sox, you know, with, uh, I think that like eight guys that are in the WBC. Um, so there's going to be a bunch of movements, you know, guys are going to pop into camp and then they're going to be gone and it's going to immediately put the cohesiveness on the, of the team in flux, I think, you know, I mean, I, I know that, you know, that was one of the things that Pedro Grafal was really wanting to hammer was getting the team together. Right. And, you know, of course it happens to be the, the year that uh, half of the team, you know, half of the team that's going to be on the opening 26 is, you know, on a roster somewhere. So that kind of throws a monkey wrench in the works. Um, so that's going to be interesting, but, um, you know, we got, uh, nothing to look forward to, but a bunch of, uh, best shape of their life tweets. And, uh, I've been saying it for weeks, man. Yeah. It's going to be the same old rhetoric, you know, uh, he's coming in. It is in his age 34 season, but he, he looks better than he has the rest of his entire career. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, and also, you know, obviously uh Liam Hendricks not going to be there. So um you have to assume that there's going to be some sort of a healing out process by Griffal uh trying to figure out who's going to be the closer for this team. And you know, do you go with the guys who have done it a few times? Uh, and by a few times, I literally mean a few times. Joe Kelly doesn't have that many saves in his career. You know, he has the stuff to be able to do it. Graveman has done it a little bit, but it never worked out anywhere except for Seattle in a giant, you know, park. So there's going to have to be like some sort of a competition to figure out who's going to be the closer. And I would not be surprised if Kelly and Graveman both said, just let Raylo do it because we don't want to do it. I was just thinking the same thing. You almost took the words right out of my mouth, honestly. Uh, because Raylo has made it quite, uh, clear in some of his, uh, interviews and press releases that, uh, you know, he's, he's willing, not only willing, he was looking forward an opportunity to, to take on that role. Um, you know, and I'm sure a lot of guys would say that kind of thing, but, uh, I don't know. There was just a feel that, uh, he really wants it in some of the things that I've read. And to me, that's part of being a closer is having that, you know, that fearless, you know, let's go, let, let, let's bring some smoke kind of attitude. You know what I mean? So I don't know. We'll see how it plays out, but uh, I'm with you, man. I, I don't know how they're going to figure this thing out in the short amount of time they have to figure it out, 
But, uh, you know, that's why they get paid the big bucks, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, I... I Yeah, I... Um, they, they have to figure it out sometime soon, you know? And it's I, I don't think that it's going to be one of those things that's going to linger for a long time. Um, you would hope that it wouldn't be like, you know, a uh, quarterback competition in... Uh, yeah, NFL yeah, camp NFL where it comes down to the last last week and you know they're like, okay yeah we're gonna have last uh, practice start. yeah exactly it's just it's not you know I would think that they'd want to have defined roles going into the last couple of weeks of spring training we would hope it, it would be nice to at least know where the players stand and where the coaching staff stands on those players you know uh, and that not just for closer that goes for some of these other position battles, which I think would probably have a little more, uh, I don't want to say cut and dry, you know, kind of outcome to them, but they're probably a little bit easier to nail down than say closer. Closer is one of those things that can be in flux pretty much throughout a season. Not that, you know, some of these positions can't be, but you kind of hope that going into the season, that this is a Sox team, especially with the, the, you know, the, the, or the early part of their schedule being, you know, at least looking right now on paper, that it's going to be a pretty tough way to start the season the first month, month and a half here. Um, you, you would you would hope that there's some feeling of I don't know continuity. I guess is what you know we were talking about just a little while ago. Getting these guys on the same page, you kind of want to know where they stand when they're going out to play their positions every day too. You know, it was part of the you know some one of the biggest knocks on TLR the last couple of seasons, especially last year when we saw, you know, I, what was it? 56 some odd <laughs> different lineups to start the season. And we don't want to see that again. <laughs> I do not want to see that again. I want to see a fairly consistent lineup. Does it have to be the same every day? No, you know, you're going to shuffle some guys around. You're going to give a day, a guy a day off here and there. But for the most part, I want to see, you know, continuity in my daily lineup. You know what I mean? Yeah, it would be nice. Um, You know, I certainly am not looking forward to, uh, you know, 50 different starting lineups to start off the year. So let's hope that we get some sort of continuity lineup. You know, I mean, you know, one of the one of the big problems last year, obviously, was the health of the team. That kind of actually segues me into the next thing that I wanted to talk about. Today, the Pakoda projections came out. <sighs> and <laughs> if you guys have seen any of these projections, um, you know I were. Why don't you just go ahead and hit our uh, stream slash podcast listeners with your, your tagline that you... Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to go ahead and put it on the podcast. Um, But, you know, get into my feelings here in a second. But uh, Pakoda said 77.7 wins and Zips was at 74. So my question to you (laughs) is judging. Are are you even remotely shocked that the projections for this team 
after watching last year's tire fire of a season and <laughs> the absolute lack of any continuity, use that word again, uh, any continuity mm-hmm. in the lineup due to hardly any be, anybody being able to stay healthy. Do the projections shock you in the least bit? Uh, well, yes and no. Uh, no, they don't shock me because, I mean, we all watch that dumpster fire, or at least parts of that dumpster fire, because if you were like me, you often turned the game off and, uh, you know, went to uh, not pulling your hair out on a daily basis. But, uh, you know, at the same time, it does shock me slightly only because I still feel like this is on paper still a better team than it was last year because we do not have two first basemen starting in the outfield on a regular basis. We do have a left fielder who can play the position. We have a right fielder coming up in Oscar Colas, who is an outfielder. And both of these guys, uh, you know, at times in their career have shown they can hit. You know, Benny obviously is a hitter uh, most of the time. We just hope that uh, he can find a little bit more of that power that, you know, he had flashed in the past. Oscar Colas, on the other hand, is one of those guys that, you know, if any of his uh, past progress in the, in the minors and, you know, playing overseas, if that translate at the MLB level, yeah, this guy can be a, a, a star. So right then and there, I feel like, yeah, uh, I feel like these projections are selling the socks a little bit short. Uh, you know, obviously with questions around the rotation, you know, like we've already kind of talked about. Uh, going into you know tonight's show, that leaves a little bit to be desired. And again, you know, you ask about health, and that's pretty much the main point of this conversation. Yeah, health has not been great. Half the team was, uh, let's just say, broken. Uh, you know, our, there was a chat we were a part of earlier where somebody used the word "dead." <laughs> Some of these guys were dead for half a season. Like, no joke, put them in a casket, you know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you hope that the the, the the changes around the team, you know, in all these different departments, biomechanics and, you know, health and conditioning and strength and conditioning and all these things, you know, you hope that we see some successes there. But no, who's to really say? And, uh, you know, now I'm done rambling. I would like to get your thoughts on that whole thing. Well, I mean, the, okay, so with Zips, you, they usually, I think they use three years worth of averages. Right. Okay, so you're taking 2020, which was only 60 Short games, season. and then you're taking 2021, which was good for the first half of the season, and then the second half of the season was almost, you know, like... Completely inconsistent garbage. And then you have 2022, which was the second half of 2021 amplified. But for a full season, right? For an entire season (laughs) with even more injuries than happened in 21. Now, the consistent guy out of that lineup, the MVP from 2020, is no longer on the team now. Right. And so I don't think it should really be any shock to anybody after looking at those three seasons 
with the best player on the team gone, the other team, the other guys on the team haven't had it, haven't had the opportunity or health to be able to prove that they might be better than Abreu was or able to put up more numbers offensively than Abreu. So you take Abreu out of that lineup, and I don't think it should shock anybody that none of the projections for the White Sox are any good at all. Fair point. Fair, fair point. I know, and I didn't really look at it that perspective. You know, and maybe I'm not looking at it from that perspective because, you know, I'm one of those people who takes pride in kind of trying to get to know my prospect that's coming up. You know, I'll, you know, we, we, we talk about prospects are suspects and, you know, everybody and their brother, it's like, Oh, they, they, they haven't done anything until they step on a major league baseball field. And that's true. But at the same time, especially here at white Sox daily, you know, we have, uh, we have a video editor in the, uh, the eradicator as I sit across my computer screen from, who uh, puts together a lot of really great video for us and for our followers on the, on the old tweet machine. And uh, I've spent some time combing over that video. And I really enjoy watching what Oscar Colas does on a baseball field. And there is nothing to me that suggests he should not be able to enjoy some successes at the major league level. So, I guess that's where my, you know, my leanings of obviously these, these projections are, I I feel like are selling the white Sox a tad short. Yeah, that's fair. And, you know, like you, like you had mentioned earlier, you know, we don't have two first basemen in the outfield. So that is also, you know, very helpful. And, And the thing is, is that I am not defending the numbers that the computers are projecting. I'm just right. simply saying that, yeah, I don't, you know, the the computer can do nothing but look at numbers, you know, and, and you know, of course it's going to take in, you know, the, the injuries into account, you know, how many games that these guys played. The thing that the computer can't figure out, however, is how many games that Luis Robert was in the lineup and was swinging one handed. Right. You know, I mean, it's still taking those stats from those games into account and factoring those into what it thinks that he's going to do this year, which is complete and total garbage. You know, right. like it, it, it doesn't work. A year work. and a it's half of Yasmani reasonable. Grandal playing, you know, with not even, I won't even call him one legged, you know, a year and a half of Yasmani Grandal playing with a bum back and a bunch of, you know, bad legs and, and playing through the pain and playing through injuries when if the White Sox really had a viable backup and a guy they could feel like they could call a leader uh, to be able to put out there, they probably would have. But unfortunately, until uh, we got to a point where we saw Carlos Perez kind of, uh, you know, be good enough to graduate just a little bit and take some uh, MLB time, we didn't have that. We didn't have that guy. So Yasmani Grandal fought through it. And he went out there and he played injured for, seriously, a year and a half, two years. And that's what these computer-generated algorithms are telling us. 
that, uh, you know, we expect everything to just be the same and it's not going to be the same. We hope that it doesn't get worse. We don't know. I don't, you know, magic eight ball. Let me shake you up. Oh, it's a little cloudy. Yeah, it sure is. A little cloudy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I see that star crowd rolling in. Yeah. I, there, there's no way, you know, I, and it, you, you know, usually most of the Pakoda and Zips pro- projections are on the, with the, with the, you know, you're taking the 50th percentile of most of the stuff, which is usually really conservative. And, you know, like you look at Dylan Cease's numbers that they're projecting for this year and they're expecting, you know, like a roughly about a run more on his ERA this year, which is entirely possible, you know. But, you know, like we said, you know, you got Michael Kopech out there on one knee. Got Yasmani Grandal, who everybody has turned on despite, I mean, you remember first year that he was here. And both him and McCann were nominated for a gold glove. And, you know, he's out there with a, you know, 400 OBP, you know, and just uh, always on base, walking, hitting home runs, and then his body fails him. So is it really a surprise that the guy was having, you know, major issues hitting one-legged with a bad back last year? No. So... And it's a shame his body fails him, and so does the fan base. Well, yeah, uh, and you know, like turn your they turn on him real quick. Yeah, well, you know? yeah. Well, I mean, you got and, the, you know, you got guys like Lance Lynn, same thing. You know, bad knee has has some take some time to finally you know get back and get himself right. And you know, it, towards the end of the season, we saw that start to come around. Yeah, we saw we start to see flashes of the old Lance Lynn come around after you know his little knee debacle. So I don't know. Yeah. Zips. I, and the funny thing is, is normally in, in a, in a regular situation and I'm going back a couple of years, cause obviously the pandemic screwed everything up, but I was always a fan of zips protections more than I was Pakoda because of the fact that zips t- takes a few more things into account and there's not a whole lot of recency bias in there. Uh, you know, their projections, it, there's always going to be some flaw. It's, you know, there's a lot of stats out there that are, they're algorithms and they're not perfect. You know, the human factor is always going to be the human factor. We're never going to be able to predict an injury. We're never going to be able to predict, you know, the weather on a particular day and how that plays into a baseball game. And there's going to be factors that are always, you know, you can try to average those things out all you want to. There's going to be factors that take those numbers and, you know, it's going to do some things. It's going to play with them, fiddle them around a little bit. And there's no perfect way to do this. Certain algorithms are better than others. Well, I particularly said, am not a fan of, a f- a fond of, you know, projections as a whole. Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> not but, not from season long projections anyway. Yeah, no. Yeah. And then preseason you know, where you don't know what's going to happen. It's, it's, it's always a crapshoot anyway, but I will say this is that Pakoda over the last, I think 10 years has been a lot closer than Zips has. Yeah. And that's, that's crazy. Cause I did always like Zips, but Pakoda actually has been better. At least, you know, at least on the, the win totals, I didn't look into individual stats so much, but at least on the, the team's overall win totals, Pakoda has been closer. 
So, right. Whatever. And as I say, you know, I'm I'm not a big fan of projections. I'm not, but I will be happy to give you mine if you ask. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, we'll, yeah, we'll have uh, we'll go ahead and you know, do if that I meet, at some point. Yeah. If I, or if I meet one of you guys out at a bar or see you out at a game, you know. Yeah. By all means, I, I will give you my opinion. <laughs> uh, Ladder Enjoyer says, I just can't really buy into a projection that says that the that has the Sox and the A's within two wins of each other. No, I 100% agree with you. There's, you know, I, I don't, at this point, you know, I, Ramon Laureano, like that's the only guy on the A's that, you know, now that Cole Irvin's gone, that's the only guy that I can think of that I remember who's actually on that team. I was gonna say you can't. I was, you can't name me four guys Oof. on that team. Yeah, terrible. And even if you could, you couldn't tell me who they were or what they've done. Yeah, no, it's you know? it's bad. <laughs> um, you know, you spoke of uh, you know turning off the game last year. Yeah, um, I did it since uh, no, you know alone. since we since we were on last. Um, one of the reasons that you would keep the game on at least to a point was uh, Benetti and Stone. Uh, since Absolutely. we streamed last, they re-upped their deal, so that's that's good. Um, some weird stuff. Yeah, almost sounded Benetti, begr- but begrudgingly though. <laughs> yeah, it was it was kind of weird. The uh, the no uh, no agent thing, you know, and uh, yeah, just kind of weird. Um, yeah, uh, the stories about it not being a very easy process. You know, uh, take that how you will. Yeah, kind of weird. But, uh, you know, thus is. Seems that way. The you know, it's the White Sox, right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's the White Sox. It just seems like nothing when it comes to, you know, negotiations as easy with the White Sox. Um, so it got announced yesterday uh, that the Ghost Runner rule is now becoming a uh, full-time thing, no longer a just a uh, a demo period for the Ghost Runner rule, and that is now always there during the regular season. How do you feel? Do you, do you, do you hate that rule, or are, are you just kind of uh, okay with it? What do you think? I, I absolutely love it. I 100, you know, I get the idea of not having these, 25 inning games, which, you know, don't happen often, but when they do, you know, it's a, it's a marathon. Um, but at the same time, you know, could we have played around a little bit with maybe, you know, a guy on first, so a guy in second, like, do we have to score immediately? You know, you go, you finish up the game in the bottom of the ninth and you're like, okay, well, we got to end this in the 10th. Does it have to be that quick? Can, can we go two or three innings? Of regular play and then go to the, you know, the, the runner on second yeah, base. Yeah, no, I can see that, yeah. I mean, luckily for you, with Tony LaRusso as the manager, you didn't have to worry about it for very long. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's his, absolutely true. His management of those 10th innings it were works Man, of art just... in... Helping oh, the William other Hendricks win. on second base because we don't know the rules. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> that uh, that was that was rough, man. I just. Oof. But uh, yeah, that so that's coming back. Uh, did you see the uh, the change in the position players pitching rule that came out today? 
Uh, I did not get a chance to read on that whole thing, but I did see a tweet really quickly while I was, uh, you know, I, you know, I was out moving some trailers around down at the RV show and, you know, we're trying to get this whole thing set up and be ready to go for the weekend. And, ah, my phone was going crazy for a while there. And I was like, geez, something must be going on. And I just kind of got a chance to skim that really quickly. But, uh. I'm sure you have uh, you have it in front of you. Why don't you go ahead and throw that out there? For yeah, us? I'm gonna go ahead and find that here. So, really bizarre because you know, like one of the things that people enjoy is uh, they like watching people hit huge home runs, regardless of who it's off of. But when it's a when it's a position player, it's it it introduces a humor to the game. And, you know, gives everybody a good chuckle, including including the players. You know, like when you see Anthony Rizzo go out and strike out Freddie Freeman and both of them are laughing, it's funny, you know, and it... It, uh, it is. It's fun. Yeah. It relaxes people a little bit, you know, um, but uh, some of that stuff's going to change. So here is the, the change to it. Um, and I'm glad you bring that up with the Freddie Freeman and, and Rizzo thing and, and the laughing because, you know, this is a, a game where we put our players, you know, in front of TV cameras and put microphones in their face every day. And it's an opportunity to see them be human. You know what I mean? And, and, and you know, they're real people. And when you see that laughter and that fun happening on the field, that's the kind of stuff we used to do when we were in Little League. You know, kids on a baseball bench with their little chants that are funny and and you know these guys are doing you know similar things out there you're you're, you're joshing on each other a little bit nah, I, I don't see anything wrong with that yeah i mean i you know you're mean home run Psh. you mm, know yeah um so now the team in the mm. lead has to have a 10 run lead to put a non-pitcher on the mound and the team's trailing by eight are allowed to do it at any point in the game, if they're down by eight runs. Uh, and then uh, any time in extra innings, they're also allowed to use a position. So, you know, say they say they burn their, their bullpen and they're in extras, they go ahead and throw a position player in there, regardless of how much they're down. Well, with the ghost runner on second base, I see that happening next and ever. Yeah, no, for sure. It's, it's a, I, you know... I I don't really see the the point in it to be honest, you know. It's like if uh if a team just wants to flush a game down the toilet because they don't want to burn any more of their bullpen. Okay, fine. You know, especially like once it starts getting to like August, you know, and you know, you've got somebody like uh Ricky Ricky Renneria or Tony LaRusso, you know, he's, he's trying to use as many bullpen guys as they can in a game. You know, if you if you've burned through your bullpen, and you've got three guys that you've brought up from AAA in the bullpen, and they've already pitched. You know, they've already made twenty appearances at this point. Like, why are you now forcing them to use pitchers? If you know, it I just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Not to mention, you know, on the, on the fun aspect, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me either. So, yeah, and you know, and then there's. There's the whole thing about, you know, like you talk about injuries on a, on a MLB roster. 
uh, you know, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to now bring up guys from, you know, high A and double A because there's an injury or several at the MLB level. And we can't, we can't just slot a regular position player in like once or twice in a month. We got to bring some kid up who's not ready. Yeah, because we gotta burn. We gotta burn some innings. You know, I don't know. That's uh, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it doesn't really seem to make a whole lot of sense to me either. But you know, I mean, I understand. You know that you know with the pitch clock, and uh, I don't. Did you see the picture of the uh, the the new bases compared to the uh, last year's bases? No, it's, it's substantial. You should look it up on Twitter. I could bring it up, but you know, it's. Yeah. I mean, literally, it's just a bigger square compared to a smaller. square. You know what I'm saying? Well, we're all here on the on the stream right now. I think we're all capable of uh, you know finding a picture or two on our own. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> this is the interwebs. Yeah. Speaking of uh, the interwebs, um, one, one final thing that I've got uh, here before we move on to uh, a uh, listener question here. Um, they announced today that the minor league TV package will be added to the MLB. TV package. So if you've got, uh, you know, you're watching, um, and watch, you know, assuming that you're out of market, of course, because we certainly can't do away with blackout rules, but say you were out of market and you were watching the White Sox and, uh, the White Sox started at, uh, at one, you know, and they're over at, uh, you know, say they end at like four or whatever. Um, and say the you know like the dash are playing or whatever that on you you still I haven't gathered yet a hundred percent what the deal is but it they made it seem like just the first pitch app is included in your package now so your your username and all that stuff should work on the MILB TV uh, first pitch app. But okay. there's also an, like another couple of words. They just use really weird verbiage in the in the announcement. But it seems to me that there's going to be some minor league games on the MLB app. But I'm not 100% sure exactly how it's going to work yet. I also haven't figured out I mean, I'm assuming that you can still just go get the MILB TV and just pay for that alone. But I'd also, it's a, again, you know, like the, the statement that was released today was really vague. So there's, there's no definition there as to whether, you know, now if you want to watch minor league baseball, now you've got to watch, now you've got to pay for the entire package and pay $150 a year or 25 bucks a month for MLB TV to get access to MILB. But I would hope that that's not the case. And I also don't know, you know, I like T-Mobile gives away MLB TV for free every year. Is right. MILB TV going to be included in that as well? I, I don't know. You know, there's, there's, there's a bunch of stuff that I'm kind of like, uh, you know, a little hazy on. And don't really know, but um, you know, 
It's just it's just an interesting development. I don't know. We'll see. You know, we'll see how it ends up working out. Whatever. You know, hopefully we get some details here in the next couple of weeks because you know, obviously I'm interested. You know, with all the uh, minor league stuff that you know we do for the for the Twitter account. You know, is that obviously it's going to affect us in a in a fairly large way and. You know, it could be a really, really good thing. And it's obviously it's going to be good for, uh, you know, minor leaguers getting seen at least to a point. Um, You know, like I don't know exactly how many, you know, the average fan. I don't know if the average fan's really going to hunt out watching a Kannapolis Cannonballers game. You know, I, I don't know. You know, I know that we have, you know, almost 5,100 followers on Twitter who are interested but, you know, for the most part, you know, like they're looking for the the big name guys, you know, like they want to see what Brian Ramos is doing. They want to see what Popeye Rodriguez is doing, what Colson Montgomery's doing, you know, like they want to see the big names, you know, they're not necessarily interested in, you know, watching an entire game, you know, of, of minor league guys, which, you know, you know, whatever your, your thing is your thing. You know, I enjoy it, but, you know, some people do not. I don't know. I'm looking forward to seeing what the uh, what the entire thing comes with. MILB games are included with the subscriptions, including at bat only. Hmm. Mm. Uh. Yeah. So my question is, is that you know, I would assume that you could probably still just subscribe to MILB, you know, on its own you know, the pitch app on its own, but I don't know yeah. for sure yet, just because I haven't seen like an official, this is what you can do. And this is what you can't do. You know, I, and one of the things that was uh, a big complaint for people that had the first pitch app is that there is not a, um, like an Apple TV app or a Chromecast app for a pitch. Um, so it's really difficult to actually watch a game not on a screen or on a mobile device. So that's kind of a pain. But uh, if, you know, if you can, it would be really nice if you could actually get an app that was fully functional and you could actually watch like on a big screen. That would be, that would be pretty fantastic, I mean, actually. I can, but like I do AV for a living. So having like adapters and all that stuff, that's kind of my thing. So it doesn't really bother me at all. But, right, you know, like the, the, the average person's not, you know, tech savvy enough to figure out how to do this stuff on their own. Right. And might not. Yeah, be I was trying to it. figure some things out about screen mirroring and all stuff and how, you know, a couple of what, two, three years ago now, MLB kind of put a block on all that stuff. Because, you know, I was doing I had some apps and some things, I, you know, I was trying to watch outside. On the you know the smart TV in the garage wirelessly, and uh, you know I eventually ended up figuring it out. But uh, there were some things that uh, you know you had to go through to make it work. You know what I mean? Uh, they, uh, they they kind of put a kibosh on all that stuff because of course you know TV contracts and money we gotta we gotta get all ours. Every you know we don't we don't get enough from the fans already as it is. Yeah. So I mean, we've talked about like how how much MLB loves to shoot itself in the foot with its discoverability. And 
the changes that they've made to their app are certainly no exception. I mean, it's just, you know, any kind of accessibility to their apps, you know, for anything, whether it be sharing of highlights or clipping highlights or, you know, saying, you know, like just putting something out there. It's, it, it is difficult to get it. I mean, there are ways around it, obviously, but I mean, they make it, you know, you have to jump through some hoops to figure some of this stuff out. Uh, I got to apologize really quickly here. I know I'm noticing my, my picture quality isn't exactly the greatest right now. I don't know if it's the weather or what, but yeah, I don't know. That seems to be a little wonky. But you can Which, hear and you can you know. talk. So there we go. Well, as long as you can hear me yep. and that doesn't sound like robotic, then we're good. Yeah. So, you know, nobody wants to look at this ugly mug anyway. I don't even know why I do this. So, Ladder Joyer uh, says that the old MILB TV subscription has just been replaced with at bat. You can use either app, first pitch or MLB for the games. Okay. I don't know. I guess we'll see what, uh, see what we get. When that sounds we get easy there. enough, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to bring up a we we had gotten a question um through uh the site uh, sub, uh white sox daily dot substack dot com. Wow. Um says uh Ian's been uh fumbling through the old uh, viewer mailbag. The the tool bag of things here we got. Um said uh, is it possible to discuss the pod on the pod uh, the possibility of a philosophical change in how the White Sox acquire minor league talent. So the White Sox will never compete with the Mets, Yankees, or Dodgers financially, so why not go after players who are blocked due to long-term contracts that were handed out the past couple off-seasons? For example, Seager and Semyon in Texas are under contract for another nine years. Why not trade for the Rangers' top shortstop and second-base prospects in order to bolster the White Sox minor league system? So... I mean, yes, this, I mean, of course this sounds like a good strategy and I'd say that, you know, they kind of did do that when they did the Chris Sale trade and the Quintana trade and the Eaton trade is that they took, you know, some guys who were blocked by other people at the time, you know, like the, the Nationals had Scherzer and Strasburg, you know, they had some some horses in the pitching rotation, so... You know, they made the trade there. The the, the issues, Luke. yeah. I, I'd say the pro, like the the thing is, is that if a team is signing a big time free agent to a giant contract like that, they don't have. Now I understand that this particular position is now blocked. That I get, but. If they're signing these guys to these gigantic contracts, you have to look at it's what the other team have is anything. looking for in return. Right. Is that they're right. going to be if they, if they're spending the big money on these contracts, obviously they're looking to compete. And if you are going to trade for their prospects that are blocked, they're going to want equal value in return. You know, they're going to be right. looking for somebody that can help them right now in the major leagues, i.e. somebody off the major league roster, which doesn't help. Right. Or you're going to be giving up those big prospects that are close for the White Sox. And I guess if, you know, right. look at, uh, you know, 
somebody on the White Sox. And at this point, I don't even know who to who to mention because uh, you know it's like TA is getting to the end of you know end of his contract to a point, you know, and he's blocking a couple of guys that play shortstop, but. You know, it's just it's it's kind of a, a a tough thing trying to find a match, and this is one of the things that I mentioned in the tweet about this about this uh, about this stream was that there had you know they they had talked about making a bunch of trades here in the off season, and we thought maybe that there would be a big piece moved off of the team, and uh, you know not not to the point where we were. 100% convinced that it was going to happen, but we thought that it might. Well, when when the the line that Rehan gives you at the right at the onset of the offseason is we feel that making trades is the way to bolster our lineup or the best way to bolster this lineup, it kind of leads one to believe that we're there's at least one splash in there somewhere. And that really hasn't come to be. So, you know, and I just want to kind of go off of what you were saying about these other teams. You know, when you mentioned that, well, yeah, they're, they're going out and they're trying to be competitive by signing these, you know, these big free agent deals for five, six, seven years, you know, to big dollar amounts and, and blocking these, these prospects that are in their system. The other part of that is, had they felt really spectacular about those guys in their system, they might not be looking at such long-term contracts for the players that they're signing right now. Uh, now that's not always necessarily the case. They're looking to compete right now and maybe continue that window of, uh, of competition for a while and, you know, cross that bridge when you get to it. But uh, the reality is, is it usually means that, if there was a guy who was going to be a, a, a player of consequence on that roster, he's not ready to be that guy right now. You know, he's still a couple of years away and they need somebody to be that guy right now. Yeah. So, you know, we can look, we can go down that road. We can look at it. You know, uh, I'm pretty sure you did some homework and I, I did a little bit of homework myself on this and, you know, we can kind of talk about, you know, some of these guys. I don't want to get too deep into it because like I said, the reality is, is there's reasons it hasn't happened. Yeah, that's that's the thing is that like I I looked around at some guys, but the thing that that I'm seeing is Juki Hollick. Thanks for the thanks for the follow. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, you got a little bit of Yerman dance there on the yeah. screen. I saw that. Uh, you know, like the did you by, by the way? Did you happen to see uh, Yermin's uh, photo that he put up on Instagram? Thing, no, um, uh, he's always great on Instagram too, yeah, he, and I have not seen anything recently. Dude looks like a tank, um, in a good way or a bad way. In a, in a good way, the guy's you know looks like he's. Uh, I think he said he he's cut like twenty five pounds and put on a bunch of muscle, and he he looks like a the guy looks like a house. Um, yeah, just like the the thing is, is that usually when these teams are going to trade these these higher pro you know higher ranked prospects they're doing it trying to get a guy that's going to put them over the top right and you know if this team fails this year meaning the white Sox, they do have a lot of bullpen pieces and this is one thing that i you know 
I had put thought into is that if this season goes completely sideways, at least Rick Hahn's got something to deal at the at the trade deadline. You know, if you're going to, uh, you know, if you're going to start shedding some of the the contracts on the team, a lot of teams that are going into the playoffs are looking for bullpen help, and maybe that was the the whole plan all along, is that. He's got some of these shorter contracts and quality relievers, but these are exactly the same kind of guys that you can get rid of and get more prospects to fill the system. And I think that that might also be part of this team strategy if they, in fact, are not on their way to a World Series in their quote-unquote contention window. Right. And, you know, the other thing, too, is, is the White Sox might be taking an approach that's slightly different than what we're used to seeing with them, too. You know, we've always talked about how even going back to long before Rick Hahn being, a, a, you know, the GM, uh, GMs in this organization typically have played their cards close to their chest, quiet. You know, you don't we didn't hear MLB insiders leaking uh, any information quite often until it was like, hey, the White Sox signed somebody uh, and. This season, you hear Rick Hahn saying that trades might be the way to go. Might have been part of the smoke and mirrors to say, you know, because the reality is, is we were not expecting a Clevenger signing. We were not expecting an Andrew Benintendi signing. And both of those things happened. Those were the surprises we got. So, you know, maybe not trading was it. Maybe that was never even part of the plan. These guys are sneaky. It's it's. It's hard to imagine, you know, looking back now, and this is one of those moments where you can say, yes, hindsight is twenty twenty. Uh it looking back at the situation now, knowing that we did go out and sign Benintendi, and you know, regardless of whatever happened Clevenger situation, both of those signings were uh shockers. But when you look at that, you gotta think, did they ever really intend on going out and getting a second baseman? We pretty much knew from day one that Oscar Colas was going to be the guy leading the charge in right field, whether or not he wins the you know the position out of camp. It looks that way now. It's looked that way since the season ended last year. But uh, we kind of knew that. You know what I mean? Did they ever really intend on trading for a second baseman or a backup catcher or another starting pitcher? You look at what we have available in the system, and you go, what kind of – what kind of blockbuster could you have made? I mean, what, you know what I mean? Yeah, th- that's exactly, you know, and this is, you know, going back to the strategy of, of trading for the White Sox is that, you know, if, say, uh, Tim Anderson is unhappy here, which, you know, I, you know, if you've seen his social media posts, you know, he's, of course, you know, saying some cryptic you know uh yeah he's i mean some people would even go as far as saying the boy's lost his mind yeah no well, there's <laughs> that's fair enough but i mean say say that you know if something happens and you're, you're not going to trade from your depth that you have because i mean it, at, at one point the white Sox had no depth at second base shortstop you know, third base, they didn't have anything. I mean, this third base is still kind of iffy. Um, 
you know, you got Ramos that's doing some stuff. Um, but I mean, again, he's, you know, very young and he just hit double a, so, you know, you got Berger who can't seem to find a a roster spot. And, you know, I know that, uh, that some, some people, you know, a beef loaf, uh, from one Oh eight, you know, he wants Berger on the roster, you know, which that's fine with me. I mean, the guy can hit, um, but, you know, some people are saying that, uh, you know, because he doesn't hit left-handed, that, you know, Sheets makes more sense, you know. But, I mean, you you don't have – you didn't have middle infielders for a long time for the White Sox. Now right. it seems like mostly what the White Sox have is middle infielder middle depth, in- right. you know. And regardless right. of whether, you know, they're, you know, 23 years old or whether they're 19 years old – you know, 20 years old, you know, that most of the guys that the White Sox have that are higher rated guys, a lot of them are middle infielders. So, right. You know, and you know, the, the thing is still is even if there is a, a middle infielder in the pipeline, they can be a, a phenomenal baseball player. We don't really know for sure who that is, when that's going to be. And it's really difficult to let go of Tim Anderson when you're talking about, again, that window of contention and a guy who's been, you know, people knock on him for his defense, whatever, but he's been rock solid at the plate. Does he walk? I'd like to see him walk more. Yes. I'd like to see the OPP, the OBP get up a little bit, but the guy, I mean, he's, he's a perennial contender for, you know, the batting crown in the American league the last few seasons. Uh, his defense is more than serviceable. I don't care. You can talk about an error here or there, whatever. He makes some great plays. We like to see his his, his fire on the field. We don't necessarily appreciate some of the off-the-field stuff. And, again, we were not going to get into that on this show either. You know, that's his personal life. We don't know the full story. We're going to let him live that life. And uh, what I see on the field, I enjoy I enjoy, but yes, you know, I've also been one of those ones and I do it for the sake of the show more than anything, you know, because we do have a stream and a podcast that we put out here almost every week. And I have floated his name out there as a, as a trade piece only because who else do you have a value? That's going to bring back something of value. That's going to keep this team in a window of contention without hurting it more than helping it. Yep. You know, so Sorry, I'm ranting again. No, but. it's fine. I mean, you know, we, you know, they, they, with the roster construction of this franchise, there's only so much that can be done, you know, and, right. uh, you know, with the state of the farm system as well, there's only so much that can be done. And, you know, it's like you can trade, you know, you can change your, you know, your, your trade strategies as much as you want. But the thing is, is that the talent has to be there. For somebody to be willing to take, you know, to take whatever you're willing to give them to give you what you want, you know, and right. you know, like just like fleecing, you know, trade fleecings don't happen really all that often anymore, you know, right? So, well, you know, uh, when this question was was posed to us originally, you know, you uh, you and I talked about it a little bit, and I, the first thing I said was, "It's an interesting idea." But after going to look at it, you know, we kind of decided that we would break it down. You're going to look at the National League. I'll look at the American League. And, you know, like you, I didn't get too far because I looked at the top 
couple of, you know, contract. And I didn't, I didn't look at shortstop as much as like second base, because that's really where the White Sox are in a position of need right now. Uh, you know, I looked at the top contracts lengthwise in the league. So, you know, you brought up one of those, one of those, one of those names you brought up was one of the guys I looked at in Marcus Simeon. And I looked, I looked at the, uh, the Rangers, you know, prospect list. And I think the first, you know, guy who was as labeled as a second baseman on that team was like their fourth or fifth prospect. And it turns out that he's actually more of an outfielder than he is a second baseman. Uh, played a lot of center field, you know, um, Houston, same thing there. I mean, they've got a bunch of shortstops that are, you know, tied up over there. Uh, they got a bunch of pitching in there, but really not a guy who's, who's labeled as a second baseman. So you get further down and then there's, uh, you know, some other teams out there that, you know, Ronald Acuna Jr.'s brother. Is uh is a prospect with you know behind one of these guys? Luis Angel, yeah, Luis Angel Acuna. But I believe he's only twenty and playing in like high A maybe, and is you know got an opportunity to. Or maybe he's I maybe I'm confusing him with one of the other guys. I don't know, but again, he's not really projected to be his brother, uh, at this point in his career, and he's a few years away from being on a major league roster. And if we're looking to fill a hole at second base right now, these are not the guys you want to go. So yeah, you could, we could essentially go after and trade for one of these guys that, you know, is blocked by a major league contract. That's five, six, seven years long, but they're not going to have an impact on this white Sox team this year, or maybe even next. Yeah. Perpetual rebuild. You know, that's exactly what they're not looking to do. So I think that that's probably the reason why they don't, you know, why they're not going to go in that direction is just, right. You know, they're trying to, you know, I know it, at sometimes it does not look like it, but they are trying to win uh, at least to a point, you know, they're trying to win with what they have now. Now, re, you right. know, what you think about what they have on the roster right now and it being able to be done, that I can't help you with. But I can say that they are trying to, you know, they do want to win. It just has to be on, on uh, you know, Uncle Jerry's terms. And uh, whether or not that will happen, who knows? Um, speaking of uh, Luis Angel uh, Acuna, um, so one thing I was thinking about doing for next week, uh, I have a box of Topps Heritage minor league cards sitting around. And I was thinking about uh, cracking that box open next week, stream, trying to get, uh, trying to get um, possibly a Brian Ramos or Oscar. Auto card, West Cath. That'd be cool. Montgomery. I figured it would be fun and something different, you know. And uh, you know, I love me some minor leaguers. So, don't we all? Yeah. Well, isn't I that mean, what we're here for? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm um, here for it, man. Yeah. So, uh, I think that that's probably the uh, that's it for this week. Um, oh well. Oh, you don't you don't want to talk about the the Padres signing Michael Walker today? No, I don't. I, don't, I, I mean, for, sorry, for, I couldn't leave the show without mentioning it. That's about as far as I'm going to take You know, it. I just, you know, 
Yeah, that's I saw it all over Twitter today. People <laughs> whining and crying that the White Sox didn't sign Waka. I don't care. Uh, whatever. It's not, you know, like if we're talking about things that are going to put the White Sox over the top and get them to the World Series, Michael Waka's it's not, not it. freaking going to be Michael Waka. Stop complaining. Um, so, oh, boy. Uh, yeah. Um, at Daily White Sox on Twitter. WhiteSoxDaily.substack.com is where you can find this in podcast form. You can also find uh, articles, which have not been forthcoming as of late. But, uh, again, it's something that, uh, you know, we'll we'll throw some up there. It's just been. Uh, yeah, we'll get there. I haven't even started on the one I've been talking about for like the last three weeks. Yeah, it's, you know, it's tough. Oopsie. Uh, but now the baseball's starting up again. Oh, look who it is. It's Grimtall. How you doing, buddy? Um, Grim tall. Yeah. So, uh, what did you miss? I don't know. Everything. Um, yeah, we're wrapping it up here, bud. You're, you know, we love you, but you're, you're a little late. Yeah. Late for the, late for the podcast part of it. Anywho. Um, yeah. Hey, so, uh, chat for a few minutes. white socks, daily.substack.com. You can find us on, uh, YouTube and on Facebook. Just go ahead and daily. Um, I put some nice little, uh, Moments from this past year of minor league baseball up on the YouTubes and on Twitter. So if you haven't seen them, go ahead and take a look for them. Yeah. By the way, thanks for putting some of those videos together, man. Uh, you know, watching the uh, the cycle game from uh, Popeye was pretty good. Some of those, yeah. some of those, uh, some of those highlight reels you put together are pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, the cycle game, uh, Tyler Osick is uh i'm sorry tyler was like yeah no no yeah he, well popeye yeah, hit the popeye, five home runs in five games but that's uh, what it was yeah tyler osick uh is looking for uh baseball players that are looking for uh remote uh coaching and uh he was he said he was looking for like 10 guys so uh if you um are so inclined or know somebody that would be um look him up on twitter and go ahead and uh send him a a DM and uh, tell him you're interested and uh, hook you up with some of his uh, workout plan and diet plan and all sorts of drills and stuff. It's, it's definitely cool. Um, but uh, yeah, that's it for this week for uh, white Sox daily live. Uh, we will catch up with you guys possibly uh, probably next Tuesday because uh, there's actually going to be like real stuff to talk about, which I'm actually stoked about. Um, but uh, yeah, my name is Ian Eskridge. For my co-host, the Danny Miller, we'll catch you guys next week. Thank you. Have a great night.